you can't automate something that you're not already doing manually. And this is the huge caveat that people fall down is they think that building a funnel magically is going to do all sorts of stuff. Hey, feasters. Welcome to episode nine of season five of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you improve your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. Mike Killen is on a mission to put sales education and training into the hands of kids at a young age, at school age. I've known Mike for a number of years, and if there's one thing that you'll realize immediately about Mike is that he's passionate. Mike is so real too. He just spells it out and tells you like it is, which to be honest with you is why one of the reasons why I like Mike so much. He helps marketers and service-based businesses build marketing funnels and be better at sales so that they can then go ahead and sell their services. So you now know why he's an ideal candidate for this season. Mike has written a book called From Single to Scale. He has a YouTube channel and a very thoughtful and in my opinion, amazing newsletter that you'll want to sign up for. In this episode, we dive into what a sales funnel is and why it has a bad rap why it's so important you need to be doing everything manually first before ever thinking about automation, the framework behind doing discovery calls, and how to ask the budget question to get the answer that you want. Grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to jot down a few bullet points from this one. This episode is brought to you by Feast the premium online coaching and community designed for developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers like you wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that is both profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get exclusive access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to expert for your services. That, together with the monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit-chat, and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to build a business around the life of your dreams. If you're serious about not competing on price and having those clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast today. Head over to feastcourse.com. If you use the code BANTS, B-A-N-T-S at checkout, you'll receive 15% off the annual membership price. Hey, Feasters. We got a great show for you today. The guy that I've known for a long time, Mike, welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for being here. Look, one of the things, and I, you know, I said this even before, was that I've always appreciated your uniqueness and and <laughs> your reality checks, right? Mm-hmm. Like just what you say, it's like it's real. So, yeah. um, and I and I know that you 
teach funnel builders, you coach funnel builders, you do all of that stuff, the, the two marketers, right? With developers and designers and all, I mean, all that is in the audience for the listeners here, we have to do some part of that, right? Regardless, right? Like whether or not we go full scale or not. In a, like two, three minutes, what really is a funnel? And why does everybody overuse that term? Yeah. Okay. All right. So a funnel is, it's got nothing to do with tools, nothing to do with techniques. It's not the software or the plugins you use. It's not the content. It's nothing. It's, it's, it's just a concept. It's like, you know, selling. It's like marketing. Okay? It's just a model. And what it, all it means is we take a bunch of people on one side who have no idea that we exist and we pull them through some kind of process and system, and that might be one stage, it might be five stages, it might take one day, it might take 10 years. But at the end of it, they're going to become a profitable, happy, repeat customer that refers us to their friends. And those are the kind of the four metrics. Funnels now have become so ubiquitous because we're able to build them so quickly. We have a website which has our landing page, and that has a squeeze page, you know, opt-in form and we capture people's email address, then they become a lead. But maybe they found that page through some SEO or th through some Facebook ads. So that was kind of going out to people who didn't know that we exist. And then from that lead, you know, we can slowly convert them into a sale. But the truth is you don't need a website. You don't need a CRM system. You don't need Facebook ads. If you were really clear about the type of customer and you said, as, let's say as a developer that you work especially with weather businesses to build apps for their weather you know, meteorology or whatever. Mm. There's a bunch of meteorologists out there who don't know that you exist. How are you going to have enough conversations with them for them to turn into a happy, profitable repeat customer? And again, like I said, now, because the internet is so powerful and we've got all these tools, we can do a lot of that with Facebook ads and websites and, you know, email marketing, but it's, they've been around a long time. They've been around a long, long time. That process, you know, um, has, has been around for, maybe you could argue hundreds of years, you know, it's once you've right. seen it, it kind of ruins a bit of the magic. <laughs> no. And that's what I say too. A lot of times is like, you know, this is all the same stuff. Like Zig yeah. Ziegler did this stuff and yep. he didn't have an internet. And like, nope. you know, like even before that, since the dawn of time, when somebody gave a coin yeah. for in exchange for vegetables, I mean, yeah. that was it. That there was a funnel there. Somebody referred somebody to that vegetable stand, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which everyone hails as like the, the, the book to end all books, 1920 something. Originally, that purpose, the purpose of that book is at the end, had a long form sales letter for his home study course, which was a few hundred dollars. That book is a sales letter. That book was never intended to be the final product. And he was like, I'm going to give that away. People are going to read it. They're going to trust me. They're going to believe what I'm talking about. They're going to be indoctrinated. And then I'm going to sell them an even bigger product on the end of it. People have been doing this for a long time. And this is kind of the funny thing. The reason you said, why is this overused now? Why does everyone talk about it? I don't know. It's really bizarre, man. Cause like we talk to customers all the time and they're like, Oh, I want to build a marketing funnel. Or we want to, you know, I teach about how people can sell marketing funnels. And you know, maybe that's something that your feasters want to start looking at as like a service add on or, or, you know, um, you know, affiliate sales and referral sales, but I kind of am like, well, it doesn't invent the sales process. You have to be selling something first. Like you have, what is your current customer attraction process? And then I can make it better. 
what is your current sales process? And then I can make it better. It doesn't create customers out of thin air. And that's, I think, where they've got a bit of a bad rap because they're, they're expensive. You know, a lot of these systems and tools that they, they have an upfront cost and a monthly cost. Yeah. Okay. So there's definitely a lot of questions that are rolling around in my head right now. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the tools and things, right? I mean, it could be as simple as having that opt-in form on your website, go to an email that you receive and then have some sort of an exchange, right? So like the, the very first, like, you know, Hey, I'm trying to quit my free, uh, my full-time job and, and go freelance or build my own. I've had a side hustle or whatever. As you said, what's that client acquisition system that you have, yep. right? So yeah. whatever you're doing now, you know, these tools and, and all of the shiny objects that are there can yeah. make these things seem so overwhelming and so yeah, and get people so stuck. But in reality, you don't have to use those tools. No, no. And, and you know, th there's companies out there, I'm not going to say any names, who ha have made uh, millions of dollars from essentially selling a tool that people don't quite need yet. The biggest tell point for me is if you, let's say that as a feaster, I think I, basically I need more customers. And we're not going to get into, do you need more customers or do you need more scalable income or whatever? I know I need to make more sales. Awesome. You don't need any tools to do that. You need an email account through Gmail or G Suite or, you know, MailerLite or whatever with, you know, uh, jason at feasters.com. And you need to be able to have a conversation with someone to close that sale to build a relationship and just like we're doing right now. Well, I mean, we're on zoom and I know this is an audio version, have a conversation, ask some questions. You can't automate something that you're not already doing manually. And this is the huge caveat that people fall down is they think that building a funnel magically is going to do all sorts of stuff that, you know, they're already doing. I know for a, a, from experience that we can only improve people's proposal process, lead generation process, inquiry process, if they've already got a process in place it's very expensive and it requires a lot of testing to suddenly and implement, you know, suddenly implement something like this that doesn't exist in the first place. Um, so if you are able to have a conversation, you think, yeah, I can, I can basically, I can sell my service. I can sell my freelancing. I can sell my development or whatever that might be. Awesome. Then look at thinking, how can I make this you know, faster and easier for myself? You, you can't automate what you're not doing already manually. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I couldn't echo that statement anymore because right? uh, especially with what I do for my services, yeah. I, you know, I, I work with email automation and behavioral marketing and things like mm -hmm. that. And then they come to me and I say, okay, so what's your email platform? What, what are you doing currently? And they're like, uh, I use MailChimp and I mm -hmm. send like a weekly email. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> wow, your guys send a weekly email. They're like light years <laughs> ahead of some of my guys. <laughs> but, and, it, and it's just, and, but it's like, okay, what's your segments? I don't yeah. have any. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to start there. Like we got to yeah. start defining work backwards from the people that are actually buying from you all the way up to the awareness. Like you mentioned before, like, you know, who are we talking to? Do they even know we exist kind of thing? Yeah. So. And that's another like big misconception is the funnel. Everyone goes, cool. It's very, very sexy. And, you know, um, we, we need, we can, once you buy drive a bunch of traffic to this landing page and, you know, you know exactly what I'm about to say. You shouldn't be starting at the traffic stage. You should be starting at the lead. Like I could give you 10,000 clicks tomorrow. I could give you 10,000 visits a day. That's no problem. The difficulty is that if you aren't converting and having conversation with people who have demonstrated some kind of interest, 
you're gonna, that's a lot of money wasted. You're way better off. And we, this is the first thing we do. We take a look at their CRM, we take a look at their database, and we say, these people have interacted within the last 15 days, these people have interacted within the last 30, these people have interacted within the last 90. How many conversations have you had with the people who have interacted with you in the last 15 to 30 days? And they're like, well, we don't. I'm like, there's your money, there's where your money is sitting, is you're not having conversations with people who already know that you exist, they already trust you, they already know your name. Even if they haven't bought from you, they know that you exist. Why aren't you building relationships with them? It's, it's so much freer and cheaper. We can get you traffic tomorrow, that's not a problem. You should be converting what you've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I ask all the time too, is, is on top of what you just mentioned, I say, do you know how long it takes for someone to Such buy from you? Question. Yeah, right. That's a good like, question. And I would say 95% mm-hmm. of them have no clue. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you not? Well, that we got to start there. And yeah. then we can, then that's where some of the nuances and some of the sexiness of tools can come in to yeah. maybe help you refine that. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, we got to, does it take 30 days? Does it take 90 days? Does it take six years? Yeah. I mean, I, what does this look like? And so yeah. to do that manually, I mean, for a long time, I just had a Gravity Forms project brief, and I still yeah. call it a project brief on my site. Yeah. It's kind of pushed up the chain a little bit more, but I didn't even get on a phone until somebody filled that out. Definitely, and it didn't, and that was front and center on my website. Like they had to click that. I mean, mm-hmm. there was contact us straight to there. So, um, just so that I could just get on the phone with them to have Definitely. a conversation with people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, like you, I do coaching and. I tell, I tell people all the time, they, they hit me through the chat widget on my site and they say, uh, is feast or is your one-on-one coaching going to get me clients? I go, it's going to build you that foundation yeah. instead of, if you need clients today or tomorrow, stop yeah. talking to me and go talk to yeah. a lead, yeah. like pick up a phone, call Definitely. somebody, get off the line. Like <laughs> somebody gave yeah. me eight hours or 10 hours to do it. Yes. I can land a couple of clients. Like yeah. that's what you need to practice first. Yeah. And this is what, like, because I have a, a webinar, it's, it's, it's coming up actually, it's, it's like um, how to land a client within 30 days. And I've already had people being like, there's no way you can guarantee that. I was like, the problem is, is that I can, I can guarantee that, <laughs> that if I had enough phone conversations with enough people and booked enough calls and had enough meetings, I would be able to get a client. I know it because it's what we do every single day, every single week in our business and with our clients' business. The problem is you don't want to have that conversation. That's, that's a very different, what you want is a client to magically land on your door who's got five figures, they've got a budget, they're the perfect customer, and you've had to do no work. Awesome. If you find that, that's great. Let me know because, you know, we can make that work, but that's not going to happen. No one knows who you are. You have to have conversations. It's kind of like saying, oh, well, you know, imagine, you know, you and me going to a bar and, and I mean, we've both got partners, but waiting for the perfect woman to just kind of appear out of nowhere and they're ready to get married or have kids. And you're like, well, I mean, where's the relationship process in that? You've got to build that. And you're absolutely right. Instead of with all due respect, listening and watching to this kind of content, if the next thing you need is to desperately generate a client, go out there and generate the client. Right. Jason right. and I aren't going to be offended if you take the time <laughs> off. The back, right? Exactly right. I mean, yeah. To your point, like, like I know that you're you're or training or you have or you're about to run this like ridiculously grueling race, right? Like, yeah, it's like uh, twenty I've, miles. I ran it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So and and so, like, 
it's like, yes, yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah. But I've, I have never gone outside for a jog yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're absolutely right. Like, there's no way you can do that stuff. Yeah. Which, by the way, so how did that go, by the way? Yeah, I hated every single second of it. It was, it was absolutely soul destroying. So for those who don't know, it's, it's, it's weird because for me, it was like the longest race ever. It was like 20 miles, tried proper off-road up hills and through bogs and through rivers. And there was a mile on like Shingle Beach and it's up cliff, fa- cliff faces and stuff. And I got to the end. I did it in like four hours, 17 or something. Liv came in behind me and I was like, we're going home. I need to sleep. I had, I had just got back from New Zealand as well. Like I literally flew to New Zealand for a funeral, spent 36 hours there, flew back, woke up, went to this race. I was absolutely spent. And then I went to the gym and saw my mate and she was like, I had a really good time. You know, yeah, it was pretty tough. I did it in like three and a half hours. I was like, what? I hated every single second of it and you somehow did it faster than me. So yeah, I'm glad it's done, but it's called the Grizzly. If anyone wants to check it out, apparently it's very well known, very famous, but yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. But um, here's the question. Would you do it again? Yeah. And I know this is the thing is I say no, but apparently that's like really common. And then when the new entries roll around, people are like, yeah, all right, I'll try it again. So we'll see. Ask me in like six months time if I've signed up for it again. All right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Running's not my thing. Uh, I'll play a team sport. Uh, you know, do that. I'll do, I'll, you know, I'll do like workouts and such, yes. but I'm not good at like running. I don't know. Like I just, no, I, I don't know either. Unless yeah. my life is threatened by like a <laughs> rabid dog behind me, I'm not running yeah. nowhere. Yeah. I'll run from stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All day long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It's, I think part of it is like you, you spend so long at a desk. So I'll, I'll be, I'm at the gym at seven thirty every single morning, bar none. You know, we run three or four times a week, two or three times a week, maybe. And a big part of me is like, as a kid in school, you'd constantly like every few days you'd have, we used to call it PE, like mm-hmm. yep. you know, physical education or whatever. And I'm like, I literally could sit here from eight till eight doing nothing. Like I have to move my body. Otherwise I am going to seize up. And bizarrely, I actually think that doing physical exercise regularly, um, even stuff that's pretty grueling has, has actually made me a better like business owner, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, so I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it lets you, you're, other part of your brain Definitely. rest for a while yeah. right? and like do yeah. its thing, recover and all that stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. So one of the videos that I really loved that you put out, I guess it was, I guess now, I guess it's a few months ago was what, what folks get wrong on discovery calls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I get asked a lot and maybe you do listener are thinking about, doing discovery calls, mm-hmm. paid discovery calls. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate? I mean, exactly what are people getting wrong on? Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, uh, a lot of people call discovery calls different things. Basically the idea is the lead comes in at some point, someone says, we'd like to work with you. We'd like the sound of what you do. We'd like to have a conversation. Maybe they say, can you send us a proposal or whatever? And People say, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to. Let's jump on, a, jump on a call and they book a time and they jump onto Zoom or appear in or whatever. And so some people call it discovery calls. Some people call it qualification meetings, you know, fast track calls, whatever. The point is, is that you need to find out as much about them, their business and their project for you to be able to put together a really good proposal. What people get wrong is they jump on the call and they immediately start selling. They immediately start telling them how good they are at development 
coding, uh, you know, whatever the thing is. And I see this time and time and time again. And part of it is a, a nervous thing, you know, or just not mm-hmm. knowing. And so they'll say, hey, Jason, thanks so much for, for jumping on the call. Um, you know, so what we do is this, that, and the other. And they'll just talk through what they do. What's interesting is we then learn how to do discovery calls properly. And it's a mixture of like Troy's model from WP Elevation, which he calls go wide, go deep. But it's, it's more, it's, there's also a lot of questions. We just ask questions on our discovery call. Like, and if they go, so tell us a bit about yourself. And I go, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to tell you everything I know. I'm going to tell you everything about my business, but I want to make sure that I'm not wasting your time. I always make it out that I'm, I'm the one who's, who's trying to serve them you know, and, and, and almost act humble like that. And I'll, I'll say to them, okay, so tell me about your business. Tell me about the project. Tell me about the revenue. We, have, we do have a qualifier. We use BANTS, B-A-N-T-S, um, B for budget, A for authority, so decision maker. I'm like, so tell me who's involved in the project. Is it just you? Is there someone else? N for need. So tell me what you actually need. What are you looking for? And they'll say, oh, well, we need a new website, a CRM mm. system. I'm like, okay, what else? You know, we try and get a big list of their needs. T for time scale. What kind of time scale do you, do you have? When do you want to start this? And S for suppliers. You know, who else are you working with? Do you have a current supplier for this? Are you talking to other suppliers? What's funny is that when you get good at asking these questions, and I've got, I've got lists. I think even in that particular video, I give a list of questions, or if not, I, I link to another video where I have a list of questions. They're so valuable that people now pay me and our guys to have a discovery call. So what initially started out as like a free qualification call, people now have to pay usually around $900 to $1,000, depending on like the exchange rate and which currency we're using. For a 45 minute call, I just ask questions. And the power of questions is you always think, well, someone talking and if I tell them all this amazing stuff, that's what's going to be, that's, they're going to be impressed. And it's mm-hmm. not. They're impressed when, they, when you ask them something that they hadn't thought about and they start telling you stuff. It's kind of this reverse psychology where people are more likely to trust you the more they tell you, the more they talk to you. That's what increases trust levels. And then kind of on the backside of that, the more questions you ask and the better you get at asking questions the better you write proposals because you just write up what they told you. You just write up and they'll tell you what they want to buy. Their needs, their timescales, their suppliers, their budget, that's them writing your proposal for you. You take Mm -hmm. that, you put that in a proposal system and you send it off to them. So yeah, people do get it wrong and I don't know why. And now you can start asking questions and actually get paid for it. Right, right. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that one point that you made there is that you're asking questions. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think that people balk on there yeah. is because they can't sit in silence. Yes. Right? So true. Yeah. And so they try to fill up the space. They say yeah. something and then the, the, the lead doesn't necessarily know how to respond. They, uh-huh. they, they weren't asked anything. They don't know what's next. So now there's this awkwardness. Right. So I think a lot of times and it does. It takes practice, especially yeah. for a lot of designers and developers that I talk to. They're like, I don't even, I don't want to go face to face. Like, yeah. I don't want to even do that. So sitting in that awkward silence, it's about practice. Yeah. Like, throw something out there and then take a drip, a sip of water, take mm-hmm. a sip of your coffee and see, watch them fill up the space yeah. rather than you trying to fill up the space. That's, that's how I practiced it initially. Like, yep. like, oh, okay, now I can go get, and then let me see, let me see what they say, right? Like, yeah. 
first of all, the most common question for people to that they should be being silent on is the budget question. Right, so how much have you got to spend on the project? And I now, I used to try and create, find creative ways of asking that question. And now I'm like, I've got stuff to do. I want to go and play Apex Legends. Tell me how much you have to spend on this project. And they'll be like, well, you know, we have got a budget in mind. And then they've given me an answer, but they haven't given me the answer I want. I need something with zeros and a dollar sign attached to it. I'm like, okay. And I don't, I don't, I don't talk at all. And now they're like, they're, they're, the fear center of their brain goes, I've given them an answer and he hasn't replied. I obviously haven't given him the right answer. So all of a sudden they'd be like, oh, well, you know, we've talked to other people and we think we're probably in the region of, you know, 25 to 40 grand. I'm like, that's still not good enough. That's not clear enough. So again, I still stay silent. Eventually they'll end up giving you like the answer that you want. If you're just willing to stay quiet and long enough, my girlfriend, fiance, she, she taught me a really interesting lesson. She's a, a sports therapist. She, runs, she works with runners in particular, a lot of Olympic athletes and Team GP runners. And she said, the power of being silent and being patient after you ask a question is showing the person that you're asking, you want to give them all the space in the world to give you the right answer. You're literally just being patient. It doesn't have to be awkward. You just have to say to yourself, this particular person might be someone who takes a little bit of time to think about their answer and I want to give them all the space in the world. For all you know, when you try to jump in and talk over them and sort of talk yourself out of it and negotiate against yourself because you don't like the silence, they're trying to tell you an answer. But they are, maybe they're shy. Maybe they're too polite. Maybe the satellite link over Skype isn't that good and they're waiting for a break. Give people the space to answer and they will absolutely tell you everything that you need. You just say, so what kind of budget did you have in mind? And then just a long beat and wait until they give you the answer. You know, just be patient. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a game. Just be patient. Yeah, no, I love that. It is definitely the, the hardest thing. I think yeah. that people like sitting in that silence, it's just another, another thing. And I'm curious to know, I mean, you, you say, you ask these questions, you have mm. this framework. Mm. A lot of people ask me, do you have a sales script mm. that you follow off of? Mm. And I say, no, mm. because usually coming into the conversation, I kind of know at least the basics of what the conversation is going to be. So the conversation is really just, let's just tick off those final boxes to see if it's a good fit to work mm -hmm. together. So it's more of like a poker game more, yeah. more than anything else. It's like the final hand and I'm going head to head and okay, let's see what the cards hold. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, do you, do you have a sales script or anything like that? Yeah. So it's, it, it's a good question because the truth is I do, but I don't have a sales script for that part of the process during the discovery call. And again, people worry about the proposal, right? Cause that's what it all boils down to is ultimately the customer signing it and handing over a deposit. And we put a lot of pressure on the proposal. We put a lot of pressure on the close and the sales process. And we have people talking about closing techniques, which I love. I'm a big fan of closing techniques. But actually, you can take all of that pressure off. You can take all of that pressure off. And, and what I think your guys, and I'm trying to teach my guys this, I'm trying to teach the entire world this, that you need to replace the word sales or sell with serve and service. Just literally make that plotation in and go, okay, how do I sell this customer? And you think, no, 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 how do I serve this customer? Okay, well, what's the best sales technique? No, no, no. What's the best service technique? Just think about the word service and to serve. And you, take the, you begin to take the pressure off yourself and you think, well, actually, I just need to ask them as many questions as possible. Because the more I understand about what they need, 
whether they're buying a camera, whether they're buying a book, whether they're buying a course, whether they're buying a $25,000 a month marketing program, whatever it is, I need to ask lots of questions. Because the more questions I ask, the less sales scripts I need. The rule of thumb is if you've asked a lot of questions, you don't need any sales scripts because they've told you everything that they'll buy. Because they say, look, we need a, 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 we need, um, a, a mobile responsive website that also acts as an app and people are able to log into both of them, upload photographs and, take, take, you know, and scan barcodes. You go, fantastic. What kind of budget do you have? Oh, we've got a budget of 25 grand. Great. You repeat that back. So for 25 grand, you need an app that people can log into, take photos, scan barcodes. Does that sound about right? Despite the fact that you're literally repeating back word for word what they've said, they'll go, yeah, that's, my God, that's absolutely it. Awesome. <laughs> Let me send you a proposal. Now afterwards, when they're kind of humming and hiring over the price and stuff like this, maybe you need some scale scripts there, but 99% of the work is done if you just ask the right questions and just ask enough of them and give yourself, you know, take the pressure off yourself. Don't try and sell to them. Just ask the questions. And you're right. It's, it's actually finding out like the definition of a sale is, does it make sense for two parties to work together? That's, that's the strictest right. definition. And you're right. Sometimes actually the client isn't right for you. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever reason, you don't click. It's not the right project. Take the pressure off, man. Don't sell. You know, you don't have to pitch. You're not in a cold pitching environment. If people want you to do that and you're not comfortable, you know, tell them to tell their story walking. Like that's, that's not your style. Um, so yeah, just take the pressure off. And um, yeah, when you want to get into like heavy closing techniques and pitching techniques, by all means, there's some, there's some great stuff out there, but a lot of that doesn't need to be done if you ask a lot of questions. Yeah, I, lo- I like that. Change that. You got a lot of missions for selling, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like change that word from sale, sell to serve. Yep. I mean, that in and of itself, especially for you listening out there, like if you don't like sales, uh-huh. just make that, flip that switch. Yeah. Well, there's, there's actually a lot of evidence to suggest that they come from the same word. So back in the good old days of the Roman time, they were paid in salt. And that's where we get the word salt from is because they were paid, that was their salary. So the word salt and salary are, are tied. And the Nordic word for service or to serve was also tied to salary. And salary didn't mean get money. It meant to serve your country. And to sell meant to serve, S-E-L. And over time, it's become, okay, well, let's exchange something for money. But it really was the, the entomological kind of origins of the word is to serve. And I think if people move out of the kind of the fast-paced closing and sales techniques and opening techniques and cold questions and all this kind of stuff, and, and just forget about that stuff, just don't worry about it. And just think, how could I serve this person? 99% of the time you can serve someone better when you ask them some questions. A waiter has to be able to ask you what you want to order to be able to serve you properly. And it's really no more complicated than that. I love that. That's a, <laughs> that's the golden nugget, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the takeaway from this is that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, you summed it up. I've tried to figure out a way to nicely put that in sure. a nice package, but <laughs> I'm going to have to listen back to this and all right, I'll just get a rip that because that, that for me, I mean, that's perfect because I mean, I always say like, I'm not a sales guy. Mm. Right. And people always say, but you've been doing this thing for a decade yourself. Like obviously you can sell, right. You're a sales guy, you sold me or whatever, like depending on the conversation that I'm having with and who I'm having with. Right. But I always look at it like, look, I'm coming in because you have a problem. You Mm -hmm. think I'm the right person for this problem in order for me to know that, because that's what I want. I want to 100% know that I can solve your problem. Yep. 
I'm going to be asking you a ton of questions mm-hmm. and 90% of them aren't even going to be tech related. It's yep. going to be more oh, business. That is so it. true. That is like, definitely true. Yeah. I've even had leads say to me, like after about a half an hour of conversation, so are you a developer or am I working with <laughs> yeah. somebody else? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no, you're, I'm the person. They're like, oh, I've never had this kind of a conversation with a developer before. Usually they're talking yep. tech and geek and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, just ask as many questions. I mean, even if you have to like tally up, like on a post-it note, if you're not visual or whatever, like yeah. tally up how many questions you've asked versus them and make yep. sure that you're always asking more. And this, it's it's a big part for like, just keep control of the conversation. I think a lot of the time they can go off and it's like talking about your portfolio and talking about them. And, you know, there's a few kind of techniques that I use. And the first thing is I say, thanks very much for joining me. I've got a call immediately after this. So I hope you don't mind. I've got, I've got to keep it tight. And then I literally do have a script of questions. And if they ask me any questions, with all due respect to the customer, I don't know anything about you. I am more concerned about my business than I am about your business. So if they say, so tell me a bit about your experience. Tell me a bit about previous customers you've worked with. Tell me about this. They want to gain control of it. It doesn't always happen, but it can do. And if you don't have control and you just have to say the exact same thing each time, I'm going to send you all the information you need. It's a really good question. I promise you that I'm going to send you even a relevant case study or proposal. I am promise I'm going to get that out to you. I've just got a few more questions that I need to ask. And, you know, just be firm with that. And I've never had anyone get you know, pissed off. And the reality is if I don't ask these questions, I can't give them the information that they need. And I'll, I'll give them all the information they need as, as much as possible, but that's because they're used to people asking that. We think that those are relative, those are good questions to ask as a customer. What's your portfolio like? Who have you worked with? We think that that's useful. It's not. It's because it's been ingrained in us that that's what other people ask us and, and what we've seen other people ask their suppliers. So, you know, just take control and, and know that the more information you find out, the easier it's going to be for you kind of down the road. Mm, that, yeah, that's awesome. So if you want to check out some of these videos, we'll put everything in the show notes, obviously the links and everything else out there, but go check out his YouTube channel, sell your service. Just You can search yeah, for it. Sell your service. I think it's like the actual URL is like forward slash sell your service UK, like youtube.com forward slash sell your service UK. I didn't, couldn't get sell your service, which is really annoying, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, and it could be because I'm subscribed, but I just type in sell your service and it comes right up. Yeah. So. It's, I, I, pr- I, we've worked really hard cause it didn't come up. So I oh, think okay. it comes up now. So yeah, sell your service. That's, that's what comes up. And definitely check them out. And, uh, I know you have a book. We'll also link that up in the show notes and yep. your agency too. But before I let you go, and, yeah. and this is this is somebody, this is coming from, I have a two-year-old and we yeah. talked about this at the top. And can you share about what you shared with me and why that's so important for you? Yeah. Okay. So kind of my, the big mission that I've got that, you know, people think we can't invite Mike around for dinner parties anymore because this is all he talks about. And he's a very odd guy because all he talks about is sales training. I want to get, the mission is to get sales education on every single school curriculum and in the hands of every child in the world. The way that I kind of see it is a bit like sex education. You know, 20 years ago, it was frowned upon. And now it's actually seen, actually, this is a pretty core component of what it means to have a a healthy society and a healthy education. So I want it to become, uh, you know, an integral part of sales training. And the reason that came about is because 
we coach now people from the age of, I don't know, probably the youngest guys, probably around 18, all the way up to kind of people in their 60s, especially on sales training and money, sometimes business, a bit of marketing, but the majority of it is sales training for a bunch of reasons. And I hear all the time, and we have both said it before this call, I wish I had learned that as a kid. And I hear that all the time. I wish I had learned this as a kid. And I think sales has a bad rap. People think it's kind of a job that you have when you can't. It's a bit like chefing. It's something that you kind of fall into, but you don't really ever want to go into it. It's very looked down upon. But the reality is that it is the only role in any business that is responsible for 100% of your revenue. Everything else is an expense. I run a marketing company. It is an expense company. Sales is the only thing that basically brings in revenue. So to have that kind of sales training that early on, I believe it helps create confident kids. You know, the, the, the economic climate is changing. People aren't going to have jobs in the same way that, you know, you or I were taught is normal when you leave school. Right. People are going to start businesses. Um, we're going to go back to kind of, you know, micro entrepreneur based businesses and businesses that can sell and are confident that they can sell their products, confident they can serve their audience. Don't take, stupid risks and they don't make stupid decisions. Cause I think that's fine. I know I can shift these cameras. I know I can shift these books. I know I can shift these courses. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. Therefore I'm less likely to try and make stupid decisions and invest my money badly. And so that's the reason why is I want to get that. And we have already started seeing even primary schools interested in some of our materials all the way up to kind of, you know, university and master's levels, because if you, you could build the world's greatest thing, if you can't, transfer your enthusiasm, which is another definition for sales. You mentioned Zig Ziglar earlier. If you can't transfer that enthusiasm, you can't make a sale. Like if you're excited about it, help other people get excited about it and, and help other people with those products. So yeah, that's the, the core mission. That's the soapbox at the moment, but it, I think it makes me look like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat as well. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you know, obviously with a two-year-old and one on the way for me, yeah. school is, is like, that's like, first and foremost, right? In mm -hmm. my mind. And, you know, like I've heard Pat Flynn talk about how his kids go to an entrepreneurial, I don't want to say driven school, but there are yeah. entrepreneurial type of classes yeah. that they take. Yeah. Um, and that so intrigues me because here in New York, I, I've looked, there mm. aren't anything like that. Mm. I mean, I would have to like sh ship my kids elsewhere <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to be doing that. But, you know, it's just, for me, it's like, I know that, like you said, the, the economy, the, the world economy is changing. People mm. aren't going to be sitting in cube farms like I did, yep. you know, when I came straight out of school, they're going to be, you know, like me and you right now, like yep. sitting with our laptops and building a business in that way. And so I feel that selling or serving, whether it is professional or yep. personal, it's a confidence thing too. Yep. And I think that that's so important to instill in, in, in a child. The reality is everyone is a salesperson. Everyone looks down on them. Every single person at some point has to convince someone that their argument or their side of the conversation is right, that theirs is the best option. Doctors have to convince patients to go on certain medication. Engineers have to convince architects that this is the, the right or the wrong way thing to do. Architects have to convince engineers that this is the most you know, that this is the best thing for the customer. Everyone's got a point of view. And if people are able to structure their, their arguments better and to understand actually, how do I get this point across? How do I transfer this enthusiasm? How do I make the exchange where someone 
joins me on my journey and kind of joins my rally rally cry that is that's what's missing that's what's missing a huge amount of time we're taught to be employees and i believe that if you truly want to be an entrepreneur and, and you know and get ahead and frankly anything past the year 2020 you're going to have to be good at sales that's that's just the cold hard reality of it uh, and i think the the education of that needs to start earlier you know yeah 100% i'm with you and anything i can do to help support that <laughs> it's coming don't you worry there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of stuff coming like that yeah <laughs> So yeah, this, I mean, this has been great and I know, I know we're, we're coming up on time, but, uh, what's up next? What, what I mean, aside from the, the education push, but uh, what's up next in the next six, 12 months for you? Yeah. So kind of internally at the business, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got some really big clients that we're working on some quite sophisticated like proposal techniques and, and expanding their sales team. Uh, I've got another book coming out as well, which we're very excited about. Very different from the first one. It's more kind of motivational, a bit more spiritual called Universe Fuel. So that's going to be my big push is, is getting that published and getting that out. And uh, I think I'm coming over to the States in maybe August. Don't hold me to that though, because I'm not quite sure where we are with that. But I think I might be coming over to the States for something, which would be good. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike. And uh, Thanks for having me on, man. I, we've been meaning to have a conversation for a while. So I appreciate you uh, making the time. Yeah, no, thanks. And I, I'm sure everybody got a ton out of this. I know that the show notes are going to be extra long on this one for sure. But uh, where can folks reach out and say thanks? Yes, yeah, sellyourservice.co.uk, the website, like, don't worry. If you give me your email address, I'll get in contact with you. But on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter I'm Mike underscore Killen, K-I-L-L-E-N. But if you just Google like sell a marketing funnel or how to sell a marketing funnel, it's, it's just me and you can reach all of my YouTubes and Instagrams and all of that kind of stuff. So that's the easiest way to find me, I reckon. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for your time as always. And uh, for everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. If you haven't already done so, go check out episode 506 with Blair Enns. Mike shared with you how to stop selling yourself or be in presentation mode as Blair calls it. I call your attention to Mike and Blair here because they are telling you outright what you're doing wrong. If you have listened to this whole season, you'll see that selling your service isn't at all difficult. You just may be shooting yourself in the foot which is okay because you now know that and you can fix it. Nailing down specifically who you are talking to is first and then making sure that you are learning as much about them as possible are the two main aspects of successfully selling your service. Next week, I'm really excited to share with you a conversation with Josh Garofalo of Sway Copy about how he's selling his copywriting services without any sort of content marketing. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast.